you know, when you're not practicing boundaries on a consistent basis, saying no, um, asking for what you need, it seems like such a big task because you don't do it consistently. But as you practice more and more, it does get easier. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I can't do this. And that's it. It's not you know, this lengthy guilt process, you're not feeling bad about it. You look at your calendar, it's full and you say no. Hey everyone. Hi everyone. We're Linda and Drew Scott. Welcome to At Home, a show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers about the good that they're creating in the world. We go beyond design and get to the root of what home means. And through these conversations, we learn it's all about relationships with ourselves, our communities, and our planet. So come on in. But wait, take your shoes off first though. What, were you born in a barn? Okay, before we do anything, I have to tell you my dream from last night. Wait, but before we do, before we do anything, happy Father's Day, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to anyone who is celebrating. That's what I meant first, before anything else that's yeah. important. Gosh. I, I want to Dude. spread some, some love and, and appreciation for all the fathers out there. Dad, you're the best. Dad, you're the best. Okay, can I tell you my dream? Okay. It's funny. It's weird and it's funny. I want to analyze. You, you, Everyone listening, you can tell us. Ooh, hit us up on social and tell me what this dream means. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, this is going to make me want to write down my dreams if I know someone out there is going to analyze them. I would totally do that if everyone's oh, game. Oh, should we start doing that? If we talk about our dream and you hit us up on social oh, and give us... Excited. You can DM us if you want some sort of a breakdown of this. Anyway, so or or D R E A M S. Dream us. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> clever. That all right? Sounded Stop more distracting. In my head. I'm okay, trying to tell my story. <laughs> okay, so I had this dream. We were doing a promo shoot for Property Brothers, and it's with the network where all the different shows they have all their talent come together, and it was a bunch of new talent that I didn't I didn't know, but we were all there together, like designing a room. And, you know, we, everyone's in their fancy outfits and hair and makeup done and we're filming and I'm in my blue boxer shorts. That's all I'm wearing. I'm the basically, blue ones, the yeah, lucky blue ones. The bright blue ones. It's basically, I'm naked, um, staging and designing a space, lifting furniture and everyone else is dressed like normal on HGTV. And I remember in the dream, I'm thinking, I'm like, why, why am I the only one in my underwear? I'm like, and I, I, I literally remember thinking like, is, is it, are they just, is the script here or something? Like they're trying to play me up as the, hey, there's Drew, the funny guy doing like naked staging. And I remember thinking it was really awkward. And finally I'm like, I, I can't do this. This is just really weird. I, I don't know if I should do this. What does that mean? I don't know what that dream means. And how did it end? That I want to be naked in my show? Well, I end up, <laughs> I end up calling. So Anna Lee works with us and, and she usually stays on top of like, if I have multiple changes. And so I was calling for Anna Lee to come help me and, Come out, Annalie, Annalie. And she's ignoring me. She's just kind of like hanging, gossiping with a friend of hers. And I'm like, Annalie, I need to put some clothes on. And then all we had is a t-shirt. And I'm like, is that any better? Me in underwear and a t-shirt staging? I don't know. So that's my dream. Mm, somebody tell us what that means. What does that do, mean? Do you think that means you feel exposed or unprepared or you just want to let loose? Uh, it could be all the above. I have no idea. I mean, I don't have any shame. So if if everybody wants me to do underwear designing of homes on the show, I'll just I'll just start doing that. <laughs> I mean, it is getting really hot out. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to start doing that. I I wouldn't mind less sweating. Uh, <laughs> what about you? Any weird dreams or? Uh, I never remember. So I try to be very still when I wake up because I feel like if I move around a lot in bed right after I wake up, that 
I'm going to shake the dreams out of my head. But, um, but you never remember them anyway. No, I do. If I, if we talk about it right when we wake up, mm. but if we're like busy and we're rushing, then, then I do forget. We should write them down. Yeah. I think that's, that would definitely be a or good thing. Or just do like audio. I don't feel like writing like first thing in bed. Hmm. Yeah. I think audio would be funnier. Actually, I need to close my eyes to see the dream again. But also, you know how when you wake up and then you like explain the dream right away and it makes sense to you, but then as you're starting to wake up, you start to realize that what you're saying makes no sense. Yeah, reality gets in the way, damn it, reality. So I think that's funny if you do audio notes instead because then yeah. that like senseless babble will <laughs> will be there. <laughs> oh, and the garbage truck delivered ice cream. Ew. What? I, I don't know, maybe multi-purpose. <laughs> I feel like that was in one of my dreams. <laughs> okay. So if anyone has any idea what the heck Drew's dream means, Let me know. please DM us because I'm very curious. Mm -hmm. And now we should just get you some fancier underwear. Well, if we know it might make an appearance in one of these renos. We never right? know. Maybe, possibly something that matches the aesthetic of the room. Oh yeah. It should match the curtains. <laughs> More mixed metals and plaid. What? Okay, let's move on to today's episode. Mm -hmm. Our guest is the one and only Nedra Glover Tawab. And this was really exciting because she's a licensed counselor, relationship expert, and therapist. And I have things to talk about. Do you? Mm -hmm. I want to hear about it. See, whenever we talk to someone as amazing as Nedra, who is a trained expert as a therapist, I just feel like this is a free session. We get to sit down, pick their brain, and expand our minds. I know. I do feel very lucky that we get to talk to so many experts. And it, it really is like a therapy session. And literally after these conversations, we chat for a few more hours amongst ourselves. And um, yeah, we get into it. We do. Well, and also her specialty, her research is rooted in CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And her techniques help us identify and express our needs without apology. And her book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace, is a guide to reclaiming yourself. And it literally is a guide to establish healthy boundaries so that we can all achieve that work-life harmony we all want I need it. <laughs> I need, not want, I just need. And need. Um, it also guides us in coping with toxic people and just helps us enjoy rewarding relationships. As an aside, I just want to say, if you need to pick me up throughout the day, you need to follow Nedra on Instagram. Uh, Linda's friend, Lisa, actually sends so many of Nedra's quotes that she posts. And it is a real to great me. pick me up. Yeah, she doesn't send them to me. No. Does that mean that you're the one who needs it? Yes, 100%. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I think I um, discovered Nedra through our friend Lisa because she would constantly send me these posts uh, on Instagram and every single one of them was like, uh, yep, 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 and yep. It's a little <laughs> therapy break and so is this conversation. So here is Nedra Glover Twab. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. <laughs> 
my security system <laughs> with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. <laughs> Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Nedra, thank you so much for joining us. This is, this is really exciting for us. I'm, I'm excited and I don't know where to begin because we see your stuff on Instagram all day, every day. And for anyone who's listening who has not followed Nedra yet, go give her a follow because she will not only give you a little pick-me-up, but a little like, aha, uh -huh, like... Okay. It's like Let's little therapy pause breaks and like apply this tool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As we go through, and and I love it. And actually, the last thing I was just looking at again was your how to conserve your energy, ways to conserve your energy. And the first thing mm. I thought about was Linda. You should reread that because if you turn your dinger off, that's really going to help save your energy. All it's like it's like a fireworks show with her dinger going off on her phone all the time. <laughs> yes, yes. I told my husband last night he went to bed earlier, which is so attractive to me. I'm like, ooh, you're in bed at nine. Ooh. Yes. Um, <laughs> But he left his phone face up, and so it just kept lighting up the room. I'm like, what is this? It's like, please turn your phone face down because, it, you know, I think it disrupts some sleep patterns or something. Oh, or something. Totally. Mm -hmm. it, is, yeah. it is kind of a rude awakening. I tuck my phone in my drawer. Mm -hmm. I put mine mm. face down. We've come to those terms, and I try to turn my phone off a little bit earlier in the day. But yeah. we, So why don't we start just to dig in and get to know a little bit more about, about you so everybody listening can get to know. So tell us a bit more about yourself and, and what led you to being a licensed therapist and relationship expert. Yeah, so um, I've been a therapist for going on 14 years now. And what led me to this space is I've always been the listener. Um, I love asking people questions. I also love to talk a little bit. So when I was in school, I got into trouble a lot for like talking, but I'm like, they're having a really good conversation. Like I need to know this, right? Um, and so just, just being a really good listener and being able to pull things out of people for so many years, when I started college, I thought I couldn't, you know, get paid to do this. And then I discovered that I could, um, like, this is a real thing. This is a career where people sit down and listen to people. And the first time I was practicing, um, like at an internship and I had my first client at this teen runaway shelter. And he started to like open up and talk. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is it. Like this, it reminded me of like, you know, being able to talk to people and have these really deep conversations and them feeling hurt. But in this instance, um, my whole job was just to listen and to be there for someone and to support them. And it was so important, the impact that it had on him um, his mom ended up sending me a gift because she mm -hmm. saw it. So it was just, I was like, wow, like, I think I'm supposed to be doing this. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about your home life growing up? Yeah. So I was raised in a single parent household and, you know, I think my family in some ways struggled with boundaries and I remember like setting boundaries. And when I was in college, I went to therapy because, I was, con well, I knew I could have boundaries, but I was uncertain why people was push were pushing. Me. Mm -hmm. And so I would like set these boundaries and people would like display some sort of, I don't like this. And I'm like, 
like is it me is it the boundary and it was like no some people just won't like your boundaries and that's what I had to discover that um whether you're setting boundaries with your parents your friends your you know whatever relative that there are some people who may dislike your boundary and it has nothing to do with your boundary or whether it's even healthy it's just a part of them wanting to, you know, have some sort of direction in your life that maybe you don't want them to have. And so for me, the first time I went to therapy, I learned a lot about it being okay to have boundaries. And a lot of the things that I was, you know, maybe saying to other people, being like healthy, healthy things to say to people and really not being so... Um, taken aback by their, you know, I don't want to do that or still trying to do things. And I learned that, oh my gosh, I need to be consistent because I would just give up. I'm like, okay, this person isn't listening. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have the boundary, but I learned that, oh, I need to be really consistent. And therapy, she didn't mention the B word. Um, she just told me about this book that was about boundaries. And she said, you know, you should read this book. And I read the book. And uh, one of my friends was like, remember you met, read that book years ago and it changed your life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it really helped shape my work with, you know, my clients. Like that first client I had, it was after I read this book. And so once I saw him and I heard him talking about like mm -hmm. the relationship issues he was having in his family, it was like, ding, 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 ding. It's a boundary issue mm. um, because I didn't know what those were. Like no one around me when I was growing up, like used the word boundaries or, you know, said things about, you know, that's your privacy or, you know, it was kind of like, mm. no, your room is the room. We can come in when we want to sort of thing. Um, mm. So just learning like, oh, wow, like you can have privacy and there are certain things that, you know, especially as an adult, you can say, you know, these are the rules that I'd like to have in my life or these are the things that I like to happen or not in our relationship. Um, mm -hmm. It was very comforting to to get that affirmation from therapy. Yeah. And just sort of to really clearly define boundaries, because when I hear the word boundaries, I'm thinking this is like, you know, this is my personal space, back off, or this is the way I want some person can know something about my personal life, but other people not so much. Um, but how, where's that balance when you see somebody who has set certain boundaries that are unhealthy for them or are not really... Um, helping them connect with their community. Um, what, and, and again, with, with how you were raised, were, was it influences from how you were raised with those boundaries and how those shift? Mm. So there are healthy and unhealthy boundaries, right? So unhealthy boundaries would be boundaries that are really rigid, build, building walls to keep people out. And that usually looks like having hard rules that that um, make you more disconnected from people. So I never tell people my personal business. I never invite people over my house. I would never date someone longer than, you know, like all of these things that really keep people away and keep mm. things very strict in your life. Another unhealthy boundary would be porous boundaries where it's, we're sending mixed messages, right? So it might be you saying to someone, I don't know why you keep asking me for help and then you proceed to help them. So you're not really getting the message right. of your boundary because your behaviors aren't aligned. And and that's some of what I grew up with. I grew up with, you know, so-and-so is asking us for this. 
and we shouldn't do it. But here, here's the help. <laughs> so mm. the person mm. never got the understanding like, oh, we're not in a position to help you because there was no enforcement of the actual boundary. Mm. Um, so I would, I would say most people have some boundaries, right? It's just a matter of if the boundary is healthy or unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and coming from a therapist yourself, can we take a step back and can you share with us what inspired you or encouraged you to start therapy yourself or like for yourself to go to therapy in the first place? Because I think that is the, like one of the biggest first steps is, you know, getting to a place of, okay, I need outside help. I can't mm. just solve this all in my head with the existing tools. I, mm-hmm. I need, you know, some sort of intervention. Um, well, especially and, at a young age. Cause yeah. you, you say you were in your teens when you, when you first went College. to therapy? College. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it's, it wasn't that deep. I was, I was in grad school for social work and in our classes, we just talked about so much stuff. We talked mm. about trauma. We talked about what type of clients we could work with and what, which ones we thought would not be a good look for us. We talked about so many different topics and for different students, it would trigger stuff. And there was a classmate who would overshare. And one of the professors said to her, um, I think it would be a good idea for you to go to, you know, counseling at the university. Like they offer 12 sessions for free for all Mm. students. It would be a good idea for you to go. And I heard that and I was like, free. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Like I went because it was free and I thought like, you know, I know I want to be a therapist. Maybe it'll be a good idea for me to like be in the process Mm-hmm. And so when I went, I found myself talking a lot about my relationships, just like, I feel like this person is taking advantage of me. And I feel like, so I discovered my why in the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even know, like, I need to go to therapy for my relationship issues. I just went like, yeah, so I'm here. Like, what do we talk about? And, you know, she just started asking questions in the way that, you know, therapists can and that's what came up. And I was just like, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to talk about. Got it. Did mm-hmm. you have, and do you have siblings? I have one sister, six years older. And so what was the dynamic there? Did you find being that she was the older sister, were you the one who had to sit back and listen more or were you sort of speaking up more to try and, you know, be heard? I'm the youngest in our family and I'm probably the loudest in our family. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. So I am... Um, I am a younger sister and I'm the youngest grandchild. I probably have about 12 to 15 cousins and I'm the youngest. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, most people would be like, you've always been so outgoing, like, you know, very entertaining and and chatty, that sort of thing. And I, and I guess, you know, now looking at it, it's like, there's all these people around me. Like, I have to do something a little different, right? Like, I have to do this little comedy bit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I earned my, you know, I earned my uh, keep by definitely creating this this space for myself. And so now I kind of get it like, oh, that's why I like talking to people because I've always been, <laughs> mm. I've always been this sort of person. So it's just, you know, it's a natural alignment. Yeah, yeah. And so I was especially excited to to speak with you because, of course, we're all in this pandemic, but now, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and people are talking about going back to normal, whatever their normal is. And there is a lot of anxiety wrapped around that as much as we want to, you know, go back to some sort of normalcy and seeing our friends and family. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to talk about how we can set in place 
boundaries and rules for ourselves so that when we do go back, we're not losing what we've learned over the past year. Um, and instead we're, we're applying, you know, tools that we, we learned from people like you. Um, mm. So can you talk about how we can navigate this or the creating the new normal? Yeah. Yeah. I would say keep what's working for you. I don't think we have to um, fully get back to what was. There are mm -hmm. a lot of things that I've actually enjoyed about being at home. One is getting really creative about, you know, the use of space mm -hmm. um, and not having to be out doing things and really figuring out how to do some of those things from home. Um, trying different recipes. So, th so there have been so many things that I don't mm. have to like throw away because there's this new freedom to be outdoors. I mm. find that, you know, on Friday and Saturday nights, I actually like to go to bed a little early and not, mm -hmm. you know, be at some lounge or out for some situation socially. So mm. keeping what has made you feel really good and maybe adding on some of the we're back in the world experiences. Um, it's been a true gift to not go to 57 birthday parties and, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. just, <laughs> just all of the things, you know, I think we have to figure out, oh, wow, I had a whole year of that and I actually liked it. Perhaps this is, you know, I can continue to say no, because in some cases people still had stuff and we had to just, mm -hmm. we had the the pandemic as an excuse <laughs> to say no, mm -hmm. but maybe we need to continue to say no if we really don't feel pulled to do those things, even without the excuse of the pandemic. As we were reading through, and then we, we were doing the self-assessment, um, I was looking through the questions and, you know, some of the questions asking if I'm somebody who can say no and stick to my word or do I, am I very extremely rigid with how I uh, sort of turn people away? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm somebody who has no problem saying no, but then as I think more about my schedule over before the pandemic, I was always saying yes to traveling for some press here or for filming here and everything. And I realized on a, I'm on a plane every other day and it was very stressful on my body and it was making me so, uh, it was overworking me. And then when the pandemic hit and all of a sudden we had no travel, it was a huge blessing in the sense that I I never realized how enjoyable it would be not to travel as much. So then, so look, reading through the book, I was noticing how I am somebody who can really stick to my word. I'm, I'm not um, porous. However, um, in some ways I was more um, healthy with certain aspects of my life. And then I was way too rigid in other aspects of my life. So I don't know. I was trying to find that balance for me is something that I'm very curious about. How do you, what's your therapy style when you're trying to work with people to, to figure out their boundaries and what's healthy and what's not healthy? In, in the situation of traveling, one of the things I've been thankful for with this book, I'm like, this book could have come out at a better time because mm -hmm. I'm actually excited not to travel to promote it. I'm like, oh, I'll just sit at home and do a bunch of Zooms. This is amazing, right? Because it's like you said, you know, there are some things that maybe you didn't even realize, like, oh my gosh. But for you, I would wonder what things did you like to travel and do and which things you're like not even itching to get back to. And those are probably the things that you should be saying no to. Mm -hmm. um, I think in some instances, we don't think about like the maybe actually being a no when we take too long to think about stuff. We think like, oh, I'm going to think about it. I'm more of an instant yes person. I want to see an email and, you know, it's a, a request for something. I'm like, yes. If I'm like, oh, let me put, 
that's probably a no. It seems like my energy is not in that space. And I think it's okay to cut some of those things out, especially now we know that technology has caught up and we can do some of those things from home. And we have to be able to prioritize what is important. And being home for some of us has become important. It's like, I, when I have to run errands for a day, it just feels like, oh my gosh, I haven't been home in four hours. It mm-hmm. just yeah. it feels so weird. <laughs> I yeah. have to get back home there. I don't know what it is, but you know, now I know that I actually enjoy it. I've curated the space to be exactly what I want and all of those things. And so I miss it. It's not somewhere that I want to escape from, you know, at the beginning yeah. of the pandemic, it everyone was trying to make home an oasis and we were loving, you know, our spaces. And I think it's important to continue to remember that we can just be still mm-hmm. and we can say no to things, whether it's a pandemic or not. And I think that's the one, one big thing that I needed to learn because we've always said like families first for us. And, and we do spend a lot of time with our family, even if we're in different cities remotely, we try and spend time with family via zoom and whatnot. But in saying that family is always first, I was always saying yes right away to these business opportunities or things that were taking me away away from family. So I, I almost needed that somebody who gave me no other excuse. I had to stay at home. Being isolated for COVID um, was really like that mm-hmm. extreme that I needed to remind me, this is nice. This is good. Yeah. And I want to continue this. It's, it's like in a way we needed permission to be still or to want to be still because in in this fast-paced culture, there's so much pride in being busy. Uh, you know, I'm busy with work. I'm busy with all of these social events. But yeah, I think just do your own. For me, it's just like, I have JOMO. I really do. Like, I don't care if I miss out on certain events. Joy of missing out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, can we go back and talk? Can you tell us about your book and how it came to be? Um, there's just so much in here and I just want people to hear it from you. Yes. So uh, maybe about four years ago, I started consistently creating content on Instagram. And I started to use it because I would notice as my clients were waiting in the lobby, they were just swiping up on their phones. And then they would talk about like social media. And I wasn't big into social media. So I said, you know, I'm going to look into it. And I wanted to do it in a way that was impactful. Um, and so I started creating this content and it caught on and people were like, oh my gosh, say more, say more. And so on Instagram, you get like these bite-sized pieces of information. And the book was me being able to say more um, and to speak in a very thorough way about how we can make our relationships better. It's just not possible on Instagram. It would be a 12-hour video um, and it needed to be a book. Mm-hmm. And it's a great book. And and like I was saying too, it's it's something that you're not just doing a speed read through. It's something that you can take your time with and go back to. And and it's sort of nice reminders uh, as well. I, I find, you know, we've been together over a decade now. And I find, you know, the longer we've been together, we will admit that we have more arguments and more disagreements. But I think it's because we're still learning and it'll be an ongoing learning process of how to communicate with each other, not just to say how I would receive something, but try and really understand how she would receive something from her end. Mm-hmm. With your clients, what is what is sort of a process with your clients um, if you're working with them? Because I think it's one thing to really look inward myself and then it's another dynamic when you're working with two people. So what are the, what's the difference for you 
to get through to your clients? Well, we talk a lot about feelings and allowing feelings to be the guide for what we need to do next. Many of us are taught to bypass what we feel and dismiss it as, I shouldn't feel this or this is silly. And sometimes when we are feeling anxious, when we're frustrated, resentful, there is something that we need to tend to. And if we're not really aware of why we're feeling that way towards our partner, towards work, towards a child or whatever it is, we will not be able to feel better. And so I start the process talking about feelings. Why do you think you feel that way? What may have triggered it? What do you think a solution could be? You know, a really busy time for me as a relationship therapist is around the holidays. People start to get anxious about Mm. spending time with family. Why? Because they're doing a lot of things that they don't want to do. And that's the really hard part, acknowledging that I really don't want to (laughs) go. I really don't want to go for seven days. Maybe I want to go for three or maybe I don't want to go from, you know, five people houses. Maybe I just want to do two. Like really figuring out what the anxiety is trying to tell you, what the, the sadness is trying to tell you and helping people shape their behaviors around what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's to me the interesting thing is when you have like a dynamic like us too. What brings Linda anxiety? Actually, a lot of times that same brings you thing joy. Brings me joy. <laughs> like, uh, and that sounds cruel and weird, but it's it's like our work our work pace. I love and it, it, it. I get a thrill out of it, but man, does it really shut Linda down? Yeah. And then the other side of things, sort of just taking your time. Like it, like Linda loves to draw and sketch, and Linda would do that for hours. That's anxious, that, like anxiety for me, because just sitting there doing that for hours is not my idea of joy. So it's anyway, our it's a fun dynamic in our in our relationship. Yeah, but yeah. as long as you respect each other's processes, it's fine. I think you know that is a boundary, respecting each other's processes and how you spend your time on activities. And you know, in therapy, you get a lot of couples who are trying to make the other person just like them. Like you should just work faster. You should be. And it's like, no, it's okay for people to be different. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what will really make you happy is just accepting them as, as different and not trying to get them to be like you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something I'm continually working on. uh, Yeah. yeah, And and that was the fun part. I I mentioned to you at the beginning that, so when I get books, I do the, uh, I call it cheating, but it's not cheating. I just go to, you know, what speaks to me first. So I immediately turned to, I think it was like page 151 because you break it down in like relationships or how to set mm-hmm. boundaries with um, in relationships with family, um, in-laws, work, social media. Um, and I thought to myself, what if all of those things are intertwined? Because we're married, our families are close and we also work together. Mm-hmm. So we've worked together for about 10 years. Now that's anxiety so for all, a lot of people. <laughs> it's all like yeah. bunched up in a ball. So how do you deal with, I guess, separating them and, and putting them together so that there is harmony um, when they mm. are all, all mixed up together? Mm. I'm doing this with my hands because it's... <laughs> well, that, is, that is it. It's, it's all in there together. And, you know, for you all, I would wonder like, what are the work hours? That's what I think of first. And I think sometimes when couples work together, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I have ideas. Like, okay, this is not a work hour. This is something you write down. And then at nine o'clock, you shoot me an email. So really 
having that structure around how you communicate around with working together can can be really helpful and not just having this process of everything together, dinner, work, extended family, but having some sort of process of communication can certainly be really helpful. I, I think that's a huge thing for us. We don't have that structure that gives us the divide between it's always sort of work and, and personal, but Again, something that we're, at least I, I'm very happy that we're aware of it. And it's a long, slow mm-hmm. process for us to get that in mind. I, I'm the worst in the world. I feel like at midnight, I have to respond to this email. I have to get it off my plate. Because in my mind, if it's sitting in my mind, it'll be there all night. It'll keep, you know, it might keep me up. Whereas if I just get it off my plate. But in reality, I know nobody's checking their email at this time. There's nobody that needs to get that email at this time. Do you find that with relationships, there is a way to make it get to a point where it feels effortless? Because I, I really do feel, you know, relationships are work. But, you know, I think a lot of people might be uh, might feel that there's no way out of the work that it is or the pain of a relationship. I feel that there really is. It Basically, could be effortless. does it get easier? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Boundaries absolutely gets easier the more you practice and they become second nature it doesn't even occur to you like you're doing this big thing by saying to someone oh no i'm not available at this you know when you're not practicing boundaries on a consistent basis saying no um asking for what you need it seems like such a big task because you don't do it consistently but as you practice more and more it does get easier it's like oh yeah i I I can't do this. And that's it. It's not, you know, this lengthy guilt process. You're not feeling bad about it. You looked at your calendar, it's full and you say no. Um, So practicing, it doesn't make it effortless, but it certainly makes it easier to do. There are going to be some things that may challenge you still with boundaries. Um, Yesterday, I talked to my grandfather. He has started reading the book. And he told me that I would be very proud of him because because he told my aunt no. And so Aww. he said, you got me into trouble. I told your aunt no. And my aunt said, stop telling him to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's 83 and he, wow. you know, he's still applying boundaries. And I think it's one of those things. I'm sure it's easier, you know, for him because he's always had some pretty good boundaries, but mm. just you know, applying more boundaries. It could have, you know, I think it's one of those things that we don't get past needing boundaries because we change, you know, the world changes with the pandemic. We needed new boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so as we evolve, we may need new boundaries, but the more you practice them, the easier it will become to set them. Do you you find it is sort of like, you know, when people say if you're trying to start working out and you're you're trying to start eating healthy, you know, just one little change. So, you know, maybe add... 10 push-ups, and that's just one little thing you can do in a week. And then maybe do two times a week you're doing that. And then three times, and eventually you'll build up to something new. Do you feel it's a smart move with these boundaries is just to make that one tiny tweak to start and really get yourself comfortable with it and then continue to make those tweaks? 
Absolutely. I do not suggest people to take all the boundaries on at once. And I think sometimes when we read books, we're like, I need this. I need that. It is like, please don't do all of that. in one week you were like over boundary yourself. <laughs> it's best to just, you know, do it as things come up. Like you said, just build on what's already there, but don't, you know, list all of the people you have and start setting boundaries in every area because it will be a lot. Um, but just starting in very small ways. I heard the other day someone said, you know, I read your book and there was a woman at work who's always asking me to like buy stuff from her son. And I told her no, because I don't like the stuff that she's selling. I mm. said, oh, OK. So that was just a small way, you know, and maybe she won't. Maybe she'll like the next thing. But she's like, I always say yes, because I feel bad really saying you know, no, I don't want wrapping mm-hmm. paper. I don't have anything to wrap, but I still buy it. <laughs> because I just feel like you're supposed to. So that one little no, she just felt so empowered mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. say no more. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you one thing about the wrapping paper, just so you know, we no longer buy wrapping paper because Linda uses the wrap from our uh, sustainable toilet paper and she uses that to or, wrap. Clothes. or clothing or yeah. she'll find or so she's towel. very anyway that's just her innovative <laughs> way of being sustainable um that but, is a wonderful yeah. wonderful tip and it's prettier too it is so I'm, sorry I'm, to the kids selling wrapping paper <laughs> <laughs> anything for a fundraiser <laughs> i know you know can, can we talk more about how for women it might be a little more difficult or we feel it's more difficult to assert what we want because we don't want to come across as aggressive. We don't want to come across as unhelpful and selfish. Well, you know, I am raising two little girls and one of the, the things I try not to do is label their behavior as aggressive, bossy, sassy, um, pushy, any of those things that can be seen as negative. I'm, I'm more of the, you know, you're being outgoing, you're really assertive, let's shape this, using words that are not making them feel like they can't speak. Mm-hmm. So for women, I think it's really important that we start to develop a new language around how we refer to ourselves and how we refer to other women and to encourage men to do that as well, to remove the term aggressive, bossy, pushy, because when our male counterparts are doing similar things, they are not seen in the same way. And because women are so concerned about, I don't want to seem like the angry one at work. I don't want to seem too sensitive. You know, like all of these things, like we really feel bad for just being assertive or for asking for a raise, you know, like all of these things we continue to have issues with because we're hyper concerned about how it will appear. And Mm -hmm. so some of that is us just readjusting our mindsets around what that behavior is and what it is, is assertive. It's assertive. Mm -hmm. Now in, in a situation, if you have people that, that, you know, Say, say I'm dealing with somebody who's really challenging my boundaries. What are sort of your steps and those, those tools to get through to somebody in a way that is trying to still let them know that you want to have this conversation or whatever it might be, but the way they're coming about it is not very helpful. You know, I, could, I might be dealing with a friend who you can just see there's a really negative energy. They're not in a good space right now. And then all of a sudden um, they're trying to communicate and it's just not working. Um, because sometimes I can feel that, that then they'll just turn around and try and say to me, like, no, the problem's not me. The problem's you. And and it just becomes a fight. 
So how do you how do you sort of um, gently navigate through a situation like that so that you know the person you're here to support them, but these are my boundaries? Well, one I would say we need to make sure that we're actually setting a boundary and not just stating a problem, because sometimes in our attempts to set boundaries with people, we're just talking to them about problems, mm-hmm. and we're hoping that they figure out the boundary in the problem we just shared. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're always late. Why don't you do blah, blah, blah. But you haven't said, I need you to show up on time next time. Mm. Because people typically don't argue when you just make one clear statement. What happens is we're giving a lot of information and it's creating this conversation where we need to just to state the thing that you want. What is the solution here? If you've stated, this is my boundary, and the person continues to break your boundary, restate the boundary, see if they get it, Um, talk to them about the importance of the boundary. I asked you to do this because, and if they continue to do it, I think it's up to you now to figure out what you want to do in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Because there are some people in our life who may not be able to honor boundaries. And you know, maybe it's on us to not call on this person to to do a certain thing because they're showing they can't do it. There are some people who just can't show up on time. Mm-hmm. Do you keep asking them or do you say, you know, let me let me tell this person to come an hour earlier because they're usually an hour late. Mm-hmm. Or let me, you know, how do you get creative on your end if mm-hmm. you want to maintain the relationship? And lastly, it's really important when you're setting a boundary sometimes, especially with difficult people, to let them know that you're doing this out of love. You're doing it because you want to keep and maintain the relationship. We don't set boundaries with people we don't want relationships with. Right. Right. And so I'm doing this as a loving act so we can have a healthy relationship. And if you have some boundaries that you need to set with me, I'm open to it. Mm, Yeah, that is such a key component to understand where and why the boundary is being set in the first place. And I love the analogies you you use of the, you know, existing and very, you know, it's part of our everyday lives to to follow boundaries, like staying at the speed limit when you drive, wearing a seatbelt, like it's for our own safety and we accept it. Although at first I'm sure it's met with a lot of opposition wearing Mm seatbelts, but now it's, we just do it because we know it's good for us. It's a safety norm, yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point. I think that, you know, when we think about boundaries, especially with difficult people and we have a challenge with setting boundaries, like let's say with our parents and we think they will never listen to this. Think about all of the things they already listen to. There are so many boundaries that your parent is respecting, your partner is respecting, and it's likely that they can take a few more. Yeah. <laughs> they can take <laughs> a few more boundaries in their life. It's really about executing it mm. and being consistent with it. So coming back to uh, talking about um, therapy, if somebody has never done therapy before, what, what, what would you say are those simple steps to having somebody understand that it's not something that you just need to do if there's a problem. It's something that's mm. healthy for people to do to really make sure that they're in tune with themselves and how they communicate. Mm. And, and it's something that everyone should do if they want to truly live a healthier life. So therapy is not a crisis tool. You know, I think for years people thought, oh my gosh, I have to be having this like mental breakdown or something to go to therapy. It is one place where you literally get this person to listen to you for 50 minutes, talk about whatever you want to talk about. 
And my clients are often amazed at how much I remember. They are quite impressed. They're like, you remember that? I'm like, yeah, your college card, the one that was, you know, it's like, (laughs) wow, you really listen. Yeah, because when we're talking to people normally in conversation, they are talking as well. So they're thinking about what to say. Mm -hmm. They are distracted. Things are going on. My whole job right now is to listen to you and to remember the things that you're saying. Um, So whatever you want to talk about is important. It doesn't have to be this, you know, like life trauma or anything like that. Like I said, I went to therapy. I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it just came up just for me. Like, I'm a student here and this is that. And she probably asked five questions that broke me down. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and it's me talking. It's me getting this stuff out in a way that I've never heard myself say. Um, so I didn't go in like in a panic and I think, you know, some people do and some people don't, but it's certainly the process helps you to be able to think about yourself, to think about other people, to evolve as a human. And we don't have to evolve from trauma, from crisis. We can just evolve from sitting on our chairs at home and just want to talk. I want to talk about the walking dead or whatever, (laughs) you know, things come up, you know, even with that, sometimes my clients will say, I don't have anything to talk about. What did you watch this weekend? And they start talking. I'm like, well, what character did you like on the show? And I'm like, ah, okay. Well, Mm. that connection and things come up and you're just like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, yeah, we like certain things because of who we are. And so everything is important. Sneaky, wow. sneaky. And I also watched The Walking Dead. Yes, we can which, wa- talk about The Walking Dead all day. Do I relate most to the walkers? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the talkers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that is such a great illustration of uh, the power of slowing down and taking our time. I think it really can help simplify our thought processes because when we're going at lightning pace, we don't give ourselves time to think it's it, it just makes me think of you know when people ask how are you and you know the knee jerk reaction is to say i'm fine mm-hmm. knowing full mm-hmm. well that you're not fine but you say that because it's like oh well they don't expect to sit down and talk to me for an hour to know how i really am so i'm fine mm-hmm. um but if you give yourself and others time to actually talk about it the things we can learn about ourselves and and the people around us is is i'm sure it's mind blowing mm-hmm. I asked my question, my uh, clients that question about two or three times. I asked them pre-pandemic, I would go to the lobby and how are you doing? They're like, I'm fine. They sit down. I'm fine. And then as soon as I sit down, I'm like, how are you doing? And then they go into the, I'm like, okay, so the first two, how are you doings weren't really (laughs) how you were doing. (laughs) That's interesting. And so that is one of the things I wanted to ask you because right, right there, that is a tool that you sort of use to, to sort of chisel in a little bit there to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other tools that you use with, with your clients to really try to, to see the truth or help them see the truth within themselves? Yeah, so, so body language, um, the inflection in their voice sometimes when people are talking and they get to a tough part of something, they may pause or they may look away or just, you know, just certain tales. And I'll say, you know, well, what was that there? what? It's like, well, when I mention this person's name, you like, you have this like nano expression of something like, tell me about that. And then people are like, oh, it's, it's this thing, but they don't, you know, we don't notice what we're doing sometimes. So if someone is like literally staring at you for signs, it's like, 
oh, I see what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And really, you know, I, I love to have people talk about their experience and I'm asking some questions, but I'm really leading them to understanding what they're talking about. I say backing you into a corner. So I'll say, oh, so so people can't be nice. You know, it's like <laughs> get them to tell the story about what you want them to see, because that's mm. what that's how they know to understand it. If it's me giving you all of the answers, this is what you need to do. You may not get it. I want you to be able to recognize it in the world, in your life. And so it's really about helping you to share your story. And that's why I love this book, because after talking about certain examples with clients, you prompt reflection questions and you do that on your Instagram as well. Um, You just prompt questions for us to answer ourselves, which I think is very important because yeah, we can take, we can, we all know boundaries are important, but knowing that is not enough. Like we have to see it in our own lives and see it unfold. And practice it. I think uh, that's the whole thing too. When they say, you know, you you hear something is one thing, but if I have to practice it or even if I have to tell it to someone else, it's going to ingrain it even more. Can you tell me the difference in in your definition, what's the difference between therapy, a therapist, a counselor, and a coach? Because a lot of times we hear those terms intertwined. Mm. So coaching is typically not mental health and it's more present focused. So I'm having um, a challenge making a life decision. You would typically go and see a coach. It's not anything that's longstanding. You're not talking about your childhood issues um, and many coaches may or may not be licensed. So it's not a, a professional where you have to be licensed in. Um, therapists, therapy is typically deeper. And that's where people will talk about longstanding issues, patterns. It, it's more of a psychology-based approach. Sometimes people will use the term counselor to talk about, again, more present issues. They do have more training um, in psychodynamics and those sort of things. But again, they try to keep it a bit more present and not like longstanding issues, but something mm-hmm. that's a problem right now. And the sessions may not be uh, as lengthy. So it mm-hmm. might not be a process where you're in counseling for a year. You may be in counseling for 12 sessions. Mm-hmm. With therapy, the process, you know, I like to say it could be as long as you want it to be. Right. If you go one time and you don't like it, it's your choice. You don't have to go back. But you could go for 10 years and you can talk about, you know, who you are, what shaped you, what you want to become, what happened when you went to lunch with so and so, whatever you want to talk about. Um, So the process is is really up to you. Do do you find um, with that sort of long term therapy, it becomes a crutch for some people instead of actually learning and growing? They end up becoming um, addicted to therapy and, and it's something that they aren't willing to give up? Well, I've had some clients that I've had for a while. And what I've learned is that they become their own therapist and they're basically sharing with me. Mm-hmm. They did all of these amazing things since the last That's time cool. we talked and told them this. And I'm like, oh, okay, therapist. You know, it's <laughs> like, I'm basically listening to you be your therapist at this point. And every once in a while, they'll talk about some things that they need help with. But those clients, it's not weekly. It's typically, you know, every other week or even once a month that Mm. they just want to check in and have that support because therapy is a support for people. You know, some people don't have healthy family relationships. Mm. 
some people don't have, you know, partnerships. And so the relationship with a therapist could be that that consistent relationship. Mm. Um, and not that it's, you know, I think that people have to determine what that process looks like. And most therapists will let you know, like, wow, it seems like, you know, we're not really talking about anything too deeply. How would you feel about meeting every other week or once mm. a month just as a support? Um, but you certainly don't need to come, you know, once a week. Anymore. Right. That must feel so good when, when your clients can graduate be their own therapy. Yeah. Graduate. <laughs> yeah. It is. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like you're, it, it sounds, it, it, it feels good to hear them using so many of the tools. And that's the, the beauty of having, you know, certain things for a long time, because you know, like that growth and they may have come and, you know, have really big challenges with setting boundaries and you hear them setting them now and it's like left and right. I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. this is amazing. It's working. Well, I'm it's sure you, you, must, you must look back to that very first session that you had where you thought, oh, wow, this is something I, I can do. And then now your career after so many years and so many people that you've helped, how, do, how does that feel to know that you've been able to help improve the lives of so many people? And that's really good. And I think that what clients may not understand is as we're helping them, they're helping us, um, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I was like, I don't know what's happening. But as I'm having to help people with their anxiety, I was helping myself with my anxiety <laughs> because I'm like teaching these tools and I'm like, I need to practice this. <laughs> like, <laughs> This is a great strategy. Like I too need a routine. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm getting something from it just as much as they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a beautiful, like, whole growth process. Yeah. yeah totally. And I mean, you are able to exercise and share your passion and your purpose. So that just, and it just so happens to help so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about mm-hmm. how um, people have really resonated with Big B and Little B. Can you tell our listeners what that is all about? Yeah, so there's a chapter in the book about big boundary violations and little boundary violations. And the big boundary violations are those things that are deeply rooted, like codependency, enmeshment, generational trauma, longstanding issues in relationships. And the little B are those little annoyances. You know, we go to the store and, some, you know, the cashier is just telling us so much personal information. You're like, can I just get my milk? Right. Um, so it's just these little things, the person standing too close to you, these little things where it's like, I don't feel good about this. I can set the boundary. It'll be done in this moment. And then those big things are like, it is deeply rooted in relationships. And I find the one thing, even with those little bees that you're talking about, depending on, you know, how, how much of a hurry I'm in or um, if I'm, you know, whatever might be on my mind. I, I find sometimes I might be a bit abrupt with how I might try mm-hmm. to state those boundaries. And and if it is something with coworkers, sometimes too, it could be hurting a relationship by being a bit too um, upfront or forceful with what my boundaries are. So that's something I need to continue to work on is make sure I'm still stating these boundaries, but in a way that is not putting up a big wall uh, in, a, in an aggressive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's so much for me to learn. Can we just make this, uh, can this call just be eight hours? It's just... Uh, <laughs> Is there any advice that you would give to to couples um, about implementing those tools or how to communicate with each other? If 
Because the one thing even in our relationship that we have to constantly remind ourselves is we don't want to change each other. You know, we do hope that if there's something, I really love Linda and if there's something that's really important to her that I'm willing to change myself to, um, to strengthen our relationship. But when couples are dealing with a situation where it starts to come to the, you have this wrong with you, you have this wrong with you, and you keep trying to accuse instead of look within, what are some tools that couples can use to improve their communication? Don't personalize someone else's boundary. I think sometimes when people say, this is what I need, we take it really personal. Why do they need this with me? Why do I have to do that? And it's really about the person, their upbringing, their personality, how they relate in relationships, and it's not about you. And so when someone sets a boundary with you, be willing to honor it and not push back against it. That's a really loving act. Um, And at first, it may be challenging. And sometimes, you know, people don't always remember the boundary. But, you know, be patient with people as you're starting to set the boundaries with them in the relationship. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I know Drew said that was like the last question before speed round, but that makes me, <laughs> sorry, that makes me wonder like, what is then the balance between um, just accepting and honoring the boundary that the other person is uh, requesting or stating versus maybe the other person might feel like, well, I'm not just going to blindly accept everything. Like I'm not just going to be a pushover. And I guess that of course depends on what the boundary stated is. But if you think but, that boundary is not healthy or... Yeah, or or like, is it is it healthy to not question the why and if it's a healthy boundary? I think sometimes people do set unhealthy boundaries, and mm-hmm. we talked about that a little bit earlier, where we're trying to control other folks' behavior, um, we're trying to be pushy with people or control them in some way. Yeah, there can be unhealthy boundaries, but if someone is saying, "I would like twenty minutes after work to kind of wind down." before we start to chat, is that a reasonable boundary? I think so. I think think that's a reasonable, yeah. So we have to think about if something is reasonable. Now, there are some people who say, yeah, that's reasonable, but you should still want to talk to me. (laughs) Well, that's not a reason to, to, to listen. You know, if someone is asking that I need a break before I really dig into more conversation, you can honor that. Well, we really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Uh, we like to wrap up with what we call our speed round. If you're ready for some hard-hitting questions. Yeah. What meal makes you feel most at home and who cooked it? I would say lasagna and I cooked it. Oh, I make a pretty great lasagna, except for that last one that I made. That was <laughs> It was delicious, but it did not look great. <laughs> Brownie Sometimes the ugliest food is the best food. Yes. It's made with love. That's all I say. (laughs) Where is your home away from home? The beach. The beach. I really like going to the beach. Mm -hmm. Who makes you feel at home and how? Oh, my husband. He's a great hugger. (laughs) That's great. What is your most vivid memory of home? You know, I would say singing and playing music like in our living room, like on a breezy summer day. That is my most vivid memory. It's probably why I love 90s music because I'm like, it was just so fun. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. Last question. Name three things on your bedside table. A candle, a plant, and a light. Sounds very zen. Very zen. (laughs) With that 90s 
TLC waterfalls <laughs> or something uh, playing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Uh, it's, I mean, honestly, this this is a book that we'll be sitting on our bedside table for quite some time because I think it's just such a great reminder for us of the little things that we can do to help strengthen mm-hmm. our relationship. Yeah, thank so. you for your book and for everything that you put out into the world. It truly helps so many people and I know it has helped us. You're welcome. Thank you. It is funny. After talking with Nedra, I'm someone who thought I had no issue creating boundaries, but I see that I still do have issues. Oh my gosh. Big time issues. And (laughs) and we enable one another with like having no boundaries because we're Mm -hmm. always so inclusive. Not that you can't be both. Well, I think that's actually, that's the key thing right there. Setting boundaries is not just like, I will tell you when I want to do something and you will never tell me what it's just making sure that you're not overloading your plate. If there's so many people that I know that are such giving people and they want to support their friends, family and community, but then they overload themselves and it stresses them out. It gives them anxiety and Uh, resentment towards those people for, for myself. I realized that it's nobody else's fault that they're asking anything of me because they don't realize one that it, doesn't align with what I really want because I've never said it before. Mm -hmm. And two, they don't realize that it's overloading a plate or whatever. Because again, I'm not communicating Mm -hmm. that. So it's unfair to resent other people when I haven't spoken up. I'm curious, anybody listening, do you have issues setting boundaries or is there somewhere in your life you need to set a boundary? Let us know. I'd love to hear from you. DM us at at home is our social handle. This has been a really nice therapy session. I feel more relaxed. Do you? Actually, I have more questions now. Than yeah, anything. I was like, I don't feel relaxed. I feel like oh, I have a lot of work to do. This is typical. Now, Linda and I are going to go <laughs> and have like a three-hour conversation about this. And our minds are expanding in a good way. We're SpongeBob's. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Annalie Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, West Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you. Thank you, love you. Love you. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. (laughs) Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.